<clears throat> Amen. <laughs> Amen. So 2011 is the year of what? Intimacy. Now, what's cool about 2011 is, yeah, we've been really focusing on how this is the year of intimacy in our house. But there's something else that I feel like is underlining uh, that's a theme of 2011 as well. And that this is a year of transition. And, you know, something about these themes of each year is I believe that uh, it's not just for the year. So, for example, 2011 is not the only year we're going to experience intimacy. Amen? But there's something that God is highlighting about intimacy that he wants us to get here in 2011 and that we can take with us for the rest of the years. You know, 2010 was the year of epic faith, and I believe we're still living in epic faith. 2011, we're going to um, hit the year of intimacy, and I still believe that we have, uh, God has still so much more in store for us. But even in 2012, when God highlights another theme, we're still going to be walking in epic faith and in intimacy. And so there's something about these themes where God establishes, and we just can take that in our spirit, and we just continue to, to walk with that in our heart. And so when you hear the theme, don't think, oh, I have, you know, six months left for 2011 and six months left of intimacy with God in 2012 and it's, it's done. It's nothing like that. This is just something that God is stirring up because he wants you to be able to walk in this for the rest of our lives. And so while 2011 is a year of transition, uh, excuse me, intimacy, I also believe that there's something about transition with this year. There was actually a prophetic word that was spoken by uh, Jason Ma. I don't know if you guys know him, but um, Jason Ma is a, a powerful anointed minister of God. He started out with doing campus ministry all over the West Coast. Um, but he gave out a word before 2011 started, and he highlighted intimacy one, but um, he also highlighted that 2011 was going to be a year of transition. And something that he said that was interesting is 2000 and, excuse me, the number 10 often refers to a time of testing. And the number 12 often refers to completion. And we can see that through the 12 disciples and the 12 tribes um, and, uh, of the Israelites. And so 12 can often represent uh, completion. And so we have the number 10, testing, 12, completion. And then we have number 11. Number 11 is smack dab in the middle. And it's that time of going from the testing to the completion. And that's where they, he was explaining where he came up with uh, the concept. And I don't think he came up with it, but the term, 11, the number 11 being coined with transition, that's where that kind of came about from. And so 2011 is the year of intimacy, but I also believe it's a time of understanding transition. Now, remember, transition is going to continue even though this year ends. We're going to continuously be in transition. And that's actually one of the biggest points I want to make today is the fact that our lives are so temporary. And I think we tend to forget that because for people who don't believe in God and people who don't have a grasp of our eternal lives, really this life is all they have to live. And in that way, giving all you have for this life sort of makes sense. But in the Christian context, in the context that we live in as believers, people that were created for eternity, we need to understand that this is temporary. This is temporary. And I think there's a breakthrough, a freedom that comes with understanding how temporary our lives are. 
on this earth, that is. And so the word just transition in itself can be defined as a process or period of changing from one state to another. Just undergoing a process is transition. For example, if you're going from uh, Itaewon Station all the way to Gangnam Station, the time between you get the time between going from Itaewon to Gangnam, you're in transition. Now, what if I told you that most of our lives are actually in this state? That most of our lives were in transition. I'll prove that to you. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter three, verse seventeen to eighteen. Second um, Corinthians chapter three, verse seventeen to eighteen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You and I are on a journey to become like Christ. When we talk about going from glory to glory, we're talking about becoming more and more like Christ. And in that way, it's a lifetime process where God is continuously changing us, molding us, maturing us, causing us to go from A to B to C. But our final destination is to be like who? Like Jesus. Now, because that's the very nature of our lives, we got to understand just how temporary things are going to be. We're in constant movement. And that's the mark of a healthy believer, that you're continuously growing. If you've been in the same state for most of your life, I would encourage you to do an examination on your heart and really allow God to begin to speak to you on why that is. Because a healthy state of a believer is one described here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, is one that's going from glory to glory to glory. Now what I want to talk about with you today is we talk a lot about the word glory. I love that word, glory. Glory! But rather than the word glory, I want to talk to you about the word too. Because we talk glory to glory, glory to glory, glory to glory. Everything's about glory, but I want to talk about the two because between the two glories, there's that small little word. But it's funny, that small little word often represents a, a big part of our lives. <laughs> that small little word, it's only two letters, but it represents a significant amount of time. Yeah, we're journeying from glory to glory, but between glories, there is a transition. There's something, a process that happens within the depths of our heart that I really believe God wants to highlight and really bring fresh revelation in. Now, when we talk about transition, the first word that I think about, as I mentioned earlier, is temporary. When you're in transition, things are temporary. You know things are temporary. If I'm, I'm about to go on a plane with Marcus and Lisa tomorrow, and we're going to fly out to San Francisco for our intern swap, and our time on our airplane is temporary. My access to uh, 25 movies is going to be 
temporary. The fact that I'm going to have to sit between, I don't know who's going to be sitting next to me, whether we're going to be sitting together or not, but my new neighbors are temporary. My new place where I sleep, my bed or chair, uh, is temporary. There's something about transition and being in transit that's temporary. And, and I believe that there's a strong lesson that we can learn from that. And one of the greatest examples of someone who understood just how temporary things can be, I believe, is Abraham. And so we just read the passages from Genesis uh, 12, verses 1 to 9. And here is the initial call of Abraham. He was 75 years old when he got called by the Lord. Dang. 75 years old. That's old. 75 years old and God calls him and you know what he says he says go to a uh, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house where to the land I will show you what go where I will, I'll show you you know and whenever I hear this phrase I'm always like what the what is that even how, how did God, how was Abraham even able to obey that where was he going but the more I look into the scripture, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a story of my life. I'm constantly going and God is continuously revealing where to go. Go and I'll show you. But it's just that, that initial go. You know what I mean? And so Abraham is, he's told to go and he goes. I don't know where, well, he goes to Canaan. But Canaan is actually not his, um, the only place that he stays. But initially he goes to Canaan. And what he does is when he arrives at Canaan, God begins to release blessing over him. He promises a blessing of uh, uh, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who dishonor you, I will curse. It's just something where God is saying, hey, go, but guess what? I'm going to be with you. And something beautiful about even though the fact that we're in continuous transition, God is always with us. He's always with us. And so Abraham goes and he goes to and arrives in Canaan. If you look at the story of Abraham's, uh, Abraham's life, and, he, and here he's Abram, but he becomes Abraham. He was called when he was 75, but he lived till he was 175. So for 100 years, he's living under the call of God. And within those 100 years, he never built a house. Never. 100 years, he never built a house, but he always pitched tents. And the, the, the interesting about tents are it's temporary residence. In fact, he referred to himself as a sojourn, sojourner. I'm asking Marcus how to say this, but sojourner. So anyway, what that word means is te- literally temporary resident. That's what that word means. And when Abraham was identified uh, with other people, he identified himself as that, hey, I'm just a temporary resident. He never built a house. Hundred years, you guys. If we think about the culture of today, it's like the American dream to get the house, right? To buy your own house, to settle down, to get the picket fence, the cute dog and the cute little kids and run around and have picnics, okay? I don't know. That was my <laughs> idea of the American dream. But um, it's this idea of settling down. Yet Abraham lived for a hundred years and he never settled down. But he pitched tents. And the reason why he pitched tents is because, one, it's temporary. And when it's temporary, he allowed space for change. Rather than building a house, he pitched a tent and he was saying, God, 
I'm allowing for change. I allow change to happen. I welcome change. There's something about tents that are more flexible than houses, isn't it? You can't really move a house, but you can move a tent. You can't take a house with you, but you can take a tent with you. There's something that's so flexible about a tent. And I really believe that God is calling us to live a very similar lifestyle where we're flexible. But it's in our nature to want to settle down. It's in our very nature to want to build a house rather than pitch a tent. To say, okay, I'm here, that's great. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a house and I'm going to settle in. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to get out all my pictures and I'm going to put all the decorations on the wall. And I'm going to, until then, I can't really feel safe. I can't really feel like home. I got I to gotta settle down and then I can, I can have rest. I can have rest. I can have peace. But God's not calling us to build a house for us. But he is calling us to pitch a tent. He's calling us to be flexible and ready to change. You know what's interesting about new wine? New wine can't be poured into old wineskin because it bursts. The old wineskin will literally burst. But do you know why new wine can only be poured into new wineskin? Because new wineskin is flexible. If you look at new wineskin, literally the leather of it, the animal skin is so fresh, it's flexible. God wants to pour new wine here, even at Itaewon. He wants to pour new wine into your lives. We desire new constantly. We want the new phone and the new uh, uh, iPad and the new hairstyle and the new clothes. We desire new, and God wants to give us the new, but he's saying you've got to be flexible. Because if I give you new now and you're settled down, you're going to burst. I want to pour new into your life, but you got to be new wineskin. We're not called to live in a house. We got to be people that live in tents. Now, okay, I said this at Hillside. Don't take me literally. Okay, everybody's going to like, Pastor, I said I live in tents. No. <laughs> it's figurative. Okay. Just trying to get that point across because some of y'all look confused. Um, you know, there's that natural tendency to want to settle down. And I think the biggest reason is because it's uncomfortable to be flexible sometimes. Change can be so uncomfortable. And we're constantly wanting to settle down. But we can't settle because God is always wanting us to take us from glory to glory, to glory, to glory. And it's ongoing until we become just like him. Now, there's two ways that you can settle down that I really want to give you a warning about. One is settling on your way to glory. There's promises that we hold when we think about what does glory represent when we talk about glory to glory, and there are levels that we see and we're like, I want to get there. And often as we're journeying towards that goal, as we're journeying towards that place, that new level of maturity, that new level of faith, that promise that God has given to us, and we want to go in that direction, sometimes we're so tired of traveling, we just want to settle down on the way. And we want to make a home on the way. You know, there's something about transition that people equate to being exhausting. 
If you fly 24 hours on a plane, you walk out of the plane, many of us aren't going to be fully rested. Even though all you did on the plane was sit. Isn't that weird? Why is that? You know, if you're on the subway and you commute and you t- it takes you an hour and a half to get to church today, you know, you don't walk out of the subway like, woo, I'm rested. Often we're like, that was a long ride. We feel exhausted. There's something about transition that we connect with being tired and we feel unrested. And sometimes we get so fed up with being tired, we decide, you know what, whatever, let's just settle right here. I know I'm heading towards that direction. I know you promised me that, but I'm tired. So I'm going to build a house here in the valley of discouragement. I'm going to, I'm going to build a house here in the valley of doubt. I'm going to put up a couple of pictures of my friends and call it home. And we just get so tired. We're so, we so relate to settling in this world that we think we got to settle there. That's one way we can settle. Another way you can settle is actually settling on the promise itself. You get there. You get to that level and it's like, woo, yeah. I'm at a new level of maturity now. When I worship, it's like on fire. And you're like, this is good. And then you build a house right there. And you say, you know what? This is so good. I'm going to settle right here. God doesn't want that either. He wants us to keep going. We're going from glory to glory, but sometimes we settle on one of the glories and we build a house on the glory and we realize that there's millions of other glories that we're supposed to be reaching. You know what I mean? There's greater glory involved and we can often settle on just his promises. But God is saying, don't settle on the promise. Don't settle on the way to the promise, but settle in the promise giver. Make a house in the Lord. If we're going to build any kind of house, don't build it on this earth, guys. Build it in his presence. Make a home in his presence. My apartment is awesome, but it's temporary. One day that apartment is not going to be in my apartment. You know what? It's okay because that's not my home. My real home is in the presence of God. That's where I live. That's where I live. That's the access that we have as believers. When the veil was torn, we got the keys in our hands. To make a home in God's presence. And we can't settle for anything less than the giver himself. And I feel like the word of the Lord today is just don't settle. Don't settle. Even if things are tough, don't settle. Even if things are good, don't settle. If you grasp the word of temporary, you're going to get the best of both worlds. Because when things are tough, you're going to be able to say, you know what? This is only going to last a temporary period of time. I can get through this. This is not forever. It may be tough right now to get through the day, but it's okay because it's temporary. And you're able to push through with a fresh spirit of endurance. But even when things are good and you understand that it's temporary, you're able to celebrate and exhaust the goodness to the maximum potential. I'll give you a description. I was giving this example at Hillside. Is that, you know, I got the privilege, my husband and I, to stay at Banyan Tree. I don't know if you guys know about Banyan Tree, but it's like, yeah. I don't mean to say it's like this. It's like one of the top, it's, I don't know, it's like a seven-star hotel if that ever existed. It's this amazing, beautiful hotel. We got hooked up with one of the church members. And we had a, a two-night stay at Banyan Tree here in Seoul. It is the, by far the best hotel we've ever stayed at, ever. Like we had like a little pool in our room. 
And then we had these curtains that like you opened with like a remote control. And when it opened up, we had a perfect view of Namsan Tower. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. It was crazy. Like the bathroom was like the size of like, I don't know, the back room over there. And it was like all marbled out. It was just pimped out. It was amazing hotel. But when I stayed there, I knew in my heart that I had two days and two nights to enjoy this facility. Okay. It was temporary. So what I did is I used everything at Baya. I used all the soaps. I don't care. I brought myself. I don't care. I brought the soap. I had the shampoo. I swam in the little pool. I, I took a shower. You know, like I, I, I opened the uh, curtains on and off, you know, throughout the day. I went to the gym. Mm-hmm, I'll stop right there. I went to the gym. Like, I don't go to the gym, but at Banyan Tree, I went to the gym. Why? Because it's Banyan Tree and it's temporary. And so I, went, I exhausted all of the resources that I had at that moment because I knew that I wasn't going to be there forever. I enjoyed every part. Honestly, I enjoyed it to 120%. I, even, I, I, think, I, I think we were trying to sleep in late, but even like the desire to sleep in late was like, no, I got to wake up. You know, I have like 46 hours left. I got to enjoy it. And so I just went bananas like all over the place. Room service. We toured the whole hotel. It was just beautiful. It was awesome. But because I knew it was temporary, I went all out. Sometimes we hit a place that's so good, you know, and then we think to ourselves, oh, this is, it's going to be like this forever. And slowly we find ourselves beginning to slow down. And we find ourselves to take things for granted. Oh, the gym in my apartment complex, which I do have, I'll be there tomorrow. That's why I never go. <laughs> you know, back in my mind, I'm like, I'll go next month. Me and Judy, I've been talking about going to the gym like every day. Um, but there's something about understanding, hey, I'm not going to have this place forever that makes you enjoy. I'm not going to be in this season forever that makes you just suck up, exhaust all the resources that you have at that very moment that causes you to just reap all the blessings that God actually had in store for you temporary. It's temporary. Now, Abraham is a perfect example of not resting or putting his house on a promise. One of the two promises that Abraham got was that his descendants were going to be blessed. And that very manifestation of that promise was Isaac, his son. Now, Isaac was a fulfillment of God's promise, yet God asked Abraham to put Isaac on the altar. Why do you think he did that? That's the promise of God. Why did Abraham have to put Isaac on the altar? You know what I think the reasons is? One, yeah, prophetic sign to Christ and what Jesus was going to do for us. But I also believe it was God saying, okay, yeah, I know you love the promise, but who are you building your house on? And at that moment when Abraham lifted up that dagger and he was ready to kill his very own son, God's like, okay, okay, okay. Now I know that you love me. (laughs) Now I know that you trust me completely. Now I know that your house is in me, not the promise. There are times when God's going to call you to sacrifice even the good things. And the ability that we have to do that comes in understanding that our home is in him. We're constantly changing, church. 
Things are always going to be moving, and we have to be ready for that. We can't get comfortable where we're at because we're going from glory to glory. But the one thing that we can rest assured in, the reason why we can have rest and not be exhausted, even though we're in constant transition, is because we can build a home in the person that's unchanging. We can build a home and safety in the person that's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Because God himself is unchanging, though everything in this world is temporary and is bound to change, we can be in complete rest with him. In complete rest. Sometimes we wait to reach certain destinations before we feel like we can be at rest. Some of y'all are excited about getting married and you think once I get married I'll hit that that good sweet spot of rest and when you're married once I get that first baby we'll get that I don't know if you think that you'd get rest but you know I'll, I'll be able to I'm gonna be okay or once I graduate from college or we put destination points to our lives and we say when we get there we're gonna experience this but I'm telling you because God is who he is and because we have access the way that we do even though we're on the way you can experience the goodness of God every step every step of the way we can be in complete rest that means even if you're on the flight to another level of maturity when you walk off that plane you'll be completely rested completely rested. Why? Because you pitched a tent in your earthly circumstance, but you built a home in the father. Abraham pitched a tent for a hundred years. He constantly pitched tents as he traveled, but there's one thing that he never failed to do in every place that he went to. And that was build an altar. Every place he went to, he built an altar. And while that tent was packed up and he moved to another place, the altar remained. The altar stayed. Every place he played, every place that he put his foot to, he built an altar in worship to God, in thanksgiving to God, in remembrance to God. And we hit these stages in our lives. And I pray that we may be tent pitchers, but we would also be altar builders. That we won't forget where we came from and be able to worship God as we're going forward. It's the remembrance in God's faithfulness and his goodness that's going to be able to transport us to new levels and new heights. I believe every time he built an altar and he got ready to move, he probably went back to that altar and said, God, you took me here and you are with me. I'm about to move and go there, but you're still going to be with me. And then he built an altar there. And when he got ready to move to another location, God, in that same way, you brought me here and you're about to take me there. And I know that I know that you're still with me. I'm pitching tents, but I build a house in you. Amen. God is calling us to be ready for change. Church, be ready for change. Because if your prayer is for more, that means change is coming. If your prayer is for more of him, change is on its way. Or you're in the midst of change right now. And I feel like God is saying, don't settle. 
Don't settle on the way and don't settle even when you get to where God has promised, but to keep on moving and keep on going and keep on being in a place where we're ready to go forward. I want you guys to just close your eyes for a second. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you, and I want you guys to get a fresh revelation of what it's like to build your home in the Lord. Genesis 28:17 says, "How awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven." Psalm 23:6 says, "I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Psalm 26, 8 says, I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing I ask and what I seek is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Psalm 52, 8 says, But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. God is calling you to lay your roots down in Him. He's not telling you to lay your roots down in Korea. He's not telling you to lay your roots down in your current job. He's not telling you to lay your roots down in your current situation, with your relationships, with your family. He's telling you to lay your roots down in Him and Him alone. Everything else is temporary. But dwelling in the house, that's forever. That's forever Psalm 112.3 says wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever (laughs) that's good (sighs) yeah Abraham was told to go Now, when Abraham first left, when he was 75 years old, he left the house. And I feel like here in Itaewon, some of you guys need to leave a house. You've built your life on things that are not true of the Lord. And you've built a house in a place of doubt and frustration. Some of you hurt and bitterness. Some of you live in a house called unforgiveness. And God is telling you today, you got to leave the house. Go to a place I will show you. To pitch a tent in the earth, but to build a house and to live in his house forever. I want you to just stay with me here.